This time on whatever we want, we talk about Ants Man. Ants. Yep. Ants. <laughs> we talk about the crazy promos that Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd did. Uh, we also talk about Edgar Wright, how he was originally signed on to this project, what happened there, and why Peyton Reed ultimately ended up directing. All that and more. Spoilers ahead for Ant-Man, this six-year-old film. Also, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Ants! Pre-batter, pre-pre-batter, batter, pre-batter, peanut butter, Daniel. Welcome. Uh, How are you doing? Pretty good, dude. We just got past the holidays, man. How are you feeling? It is 2021. Our podcast has officially spanned three years. That's weird oh to God, say. That's freaking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> kind of feels good. Kind of feels, feels good. weird. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's been with us this long or if have found us along the way. Uh, really appreciate it. Hope you had a good new year, good holiday season. Hope 2021 is better than 2020. But if you had a good 2020, I hope 2021 is still even better than 2020. You know? Just good vibes all around. Good vibes all around. Exactly. And what better way to have some good vibes than to talk about what we're talking about today? Um, are you ready for the intro and then we'll get into it? Yeah, hit me with it. You may want us to talk about this or that, but we don't care. We're going to talk about whatever we want. Blah. Welcome back to whatever you want, the podcast where we, Jake and Daniel, two devilishly handsome gentlemen, talk about movies, giving insights, behind the scenes, filmmaking techniques, trivia, all that jazz. Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, we're actually getting back into Marvel, because we were doing The Mandalorian for a good bit, and we're getting back into where we left off, which was Ant-Man. We haven't looked at Marvel since October. I know, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, uh, it feels kind of good. It feels strange. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange? Uh, you beat me to it. <laughs> I used the time stone to... I heard you say the joke, and I was like, I want to make that joke. And I reversed time so I could say it before you, but you didn't realize because <laughs> you were out of the loop. The time loop. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But yeah, dude, Ant-Man. Right, before we jump into it, I just want to say thank you to everyone who participated in our giveaway. Oh, yeah. Congrats to our winners. They were announced over on the Instagram. The mugs will be going out um, when I go back to Penn State, so it might be a couple weeks before you get those, but the other winners, I have contacted them and they've gotten everything, so it's just the mugs that need to go out. But yeah, thank you to those who participated. Make sure you follow our Instagram, social media, all that stuff for other giveaways. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we jump into it? No, not really. I think that's pretty much it. Did you see like the New York ball? I guess it's kind of free banter still, but like the ball drop in New York yeah. this year. That was kind of sad, not going to lie. There was not a lot of people there. <laughs> it was just weird. It's like it's weird energy. Yeah. Like old Ryan Seacrest now. <laughs> it's just like, ah. Uh, We're uh. getting older. <laughs> We're not here to talk about being sad, Daniel. Come on. We yeah, said true. good vibes. Let's talk about Ant-Man. 2021, new year, new vibe, new new everything. Come on, let's go. Yeah. So, Ant-Man, a movie from years ago. <laughs> yeah, from 2015, which is now six years ago. Oh, blah, what? <laughs> oh, jeez. I actually watched the director's commentary, and this director's commentary had Paul Rudd and, Ed, or not Edgar Wright, sorry, Paul Rudd and Peyton Reed on it. So, it was always nice hearing, like, Paul Rudd, he's a funny guy. But I, so I actually had the DVD which has director's commentary, but I left it at school. So I had to go on the, the dark web to find the director's commentary. And I started listening to what I thought was the director's commentary, but it was the Batman the Wasp one. I didn't realize. So it was like talking about like, there's this prologue and it's showing a flashback to when Janet the Wasp. <laughs> and I was like, where was this what? in the film? What? what are you talking about? And it literally took me like, I watched the entire like first scene. I was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, this is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay, got it. <laughs> Before I realized, and then I went back and found oh, pretty funny. the actual director's commentary. She used the time stone then. Yeah, I know, for real. <laughs> but yeah, so Peyton Reed, he directed um, this. He also directed the Spider 
episode of Mandalorian season two and yep. the season two finale, which I really liked. But yeah, this was actually supposed to be originally Edgar Wright, who did Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which we also talked about. That's right. I forgot. What, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much That's crazy thing about you know about that but it was so ant-man was actually originally supposed to be like phase one they were talking really early like apparently edgar wright ant-man was like a passion project of his that he really wanted to do and marvel kept saying like oh we can do this but then just like with scheduling conflicts and stuff it never came about until like when we got it and by the time that edgar wright was finally ready to do it marvel had already kind of formed their mold and edgar wright's vision was not in their mold kind of very different which i think it still would have been a good film there's like talks that it was a really great script and everything but they just couldn't collaborate like marvel wanted to tie in more with the extended mcu and edgar wright wanted and his vision was for it to be kind of like a solo film kind of thing like its own thing which it still kind of was yeah definitely like it still brought like shield and stark and all that kind of stuff but like falcon so yeah i guess it really wasn't on its own but yeah. there's there's still like pools here and there, but it was still kind of like its own thing, I guess, like overall plot wise. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, a lot of Edgar Wright's like influence can still be seen in the film. Apparently, Edgar Wright originally wanted to be like a heist movie, and Paul Rudd was brought on when Edgar Wright was still on. Like Edgar Wright actually pushed for Paul Rudd to be Ant Man when they were casting. They were down. To be Scott Lang. Yeah. yeah. They were they were down to Paul Rudd and Joseph Gordon Levitt, who played uh, Robin in The Dark Knight rises um he's also an inception uh and marvel really wanted uh gordon levitt because he was younger and edgar wright really wanted paul rudd and ultimately got paul rudd and then they split ways like marvel and edgar wright yeah and then also paul rudd he wanted to keep the bones very much the heist and what edgar wright had made so he he's actually a writer credited on this and wrote a lot of the scenes i learned in the director's commentary which is kind of cool Yeah, that's really cool. He actually wrote, like, the entire... With another help person helping. He wrote the Falcon fight with Ant-Man. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Actually. I actually, like, had no idea before this. <laughs> He's like, hey, I want to fight Falcon, <laughs> so here's how we're going to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, it, work, it works perfectly, you know? And at the same time, it, that was one of the big parts that helped tie in him getting, like, connected to the Avengers. So I think that was, that was actually pretty ingenious. Yeah. It was really cool. Also, in the promo I was watching, like doing research, they had just filmed Civil War, and like Paul Rudd couldn't say anything about it, but he all he could say was like, "Yeah, Ant Man really felt like my own like world." And then just getting thrust into Civil War was just like insane. Like looking over, seeing Captain America <laughs> the other way is like Iron Man. You're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Hello, Captain America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that's weird to think about. Yeah, he was also such an integral part of Civil War, just like like Giant Man and everything. Oh no, he was definitely a big part. Oh wait, spoilers for Ant Man, I guess. I don't know. If you haven't seen Ant Man, like go see Ant Man. I mean, like you said, it's been six years. Yeah, it's been six years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but also from the comics, I'm not sure if they implemented this originally with like the original script and all that stuff. Uh-huh. But Hank Pym, well, his character's been through like the roughs in and out through yeah. the comics. I mean, he's the actual original creator of Ultron. Like he actually combines with him, and that's how like Ultron's created. Oh yes, I I remember learning about that in Ultron when I did research. Yeah, and then uh, at the same time, he's like also known as like a wife beater in the comics. And yeah, stuff like that. So I saw on the Cinema Sins video, like when he snaps at Hope, they were like, "Oh, see, they're bringing in that uh, bringing that influence that, that. <laughs> from the comics." And I was like, like "Oh, jeez, <laughs> yikes!" Maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe chill, Cinema Sins. <laughs> but no, this iteration's definitely like he's still like you know this iteration's Michael Douglas. Come on, he's just as 
stern, which yeah, Michael Douglas does a great part. Yeah, like, portraying that. But at the same time, you know, he he has a good moral compass. Yeah. So it's like pretty tough, like that role. I yeah. feel like because he's in like it's kind of like a very comical movie, especially with Paul Rudd. But I feel like Michael Douglas has a lot of the heavy lifting with the exposition, and it's tough to be able to say everything like all that jargon and in an effective way that doesn't bore the audience. Yeah, that's another thing. Like you have, like you have to be able to say the jargon. Without it being like too confusing, right? You know, and it can't just be like some like weird MacGuffin, right? It has to be like like an actual formatted well, thing yeah. for setting up the future. I feel right? like though there are parts where it can, it like makes sense. Maybe he's not revealing everything; like he's revealing just enough because like his whole thing is he's not revealing his secrets to like his protege Cross or whatever. Yeah. So like I don't feel like another Baldy McBaddy. He wouldn't reveal it. Yeah, I know exactly. I called him Baldy <laughs> McTiny because he shrinks. Um. <laughs> that's pretty good but yeah so uh yeah that's continuing the trope the bald marvel trope which i was very happy about we, we, uh, have, we have to do a, a count what's the count at Do it's you- too many it's like crazy <laughs> how many there are i feel like every movie we're like oh there's another one <laughs> even if it's just like a minor villain there's like always one <laughs> like come yeah. on <laughs> yeah that one henchman oh baldy mchenchman <laughs> yeah yeah but anyways uh, Sorry, you were saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like Michael Douglas, he might not need to say everything because he didn't reveal everything to Cross. I feel like he doesn't reveal everything to Scott, too, because he knows how smart Scott is. That's why he chose him, like, based on his heist that he did a while ago. Like, I don't think he wants to reveal... He wants to reveal everything to Scott, either, in case, like, Scott runs away with the tech or something. Yeah. Anyways, let's, let's jump into it. I don't want to spend too much time retelling. I just kind of want to hit these points. Like, I like us just, like, kind of talking about it. I feel like we've been retelling a lot. Yeah. Mandalorian, if that's cool with you. You know, that's good. I mean, it's like that when we're doing the Mandalorian, I mean, like the episodes were just coming out. Yeah, we didn't have any behind-the-scenes trivia or anything. Yeah, yeah. With this, we're kind of able to get back into the grind. This has been six years, as we keep saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Anyways, it starts. What do you think of the de-aging technology of Michael Douglas and the up-aging? I don't know if that's the proper terminology of uh, Peggy Carter. (laughs) I felt like the de-aging works better than the up-aging. Really? Personally. Okay. I mean, Peggy still looked like Peggy, obviously, but I don't know. It just was like, it was weird. I feel like, I feel like hers might have been real. Like, they might have done like actual stuff. And then for Hank, they did like, you know, digital. Yeah. Well, I think. Is that, is that how they did it? It's a combination. Well, so Lola was the VFX company that did the Michael Douglas stuff. So. So mm-hmm. they actually had a double that was just someone that looked kind of like a younger Michael Douglas who did the, did it. And then uh, they had Michael Douglas also do it with dots on his face. And I think it was just a combination of those techniques. So it was like, it was like a pre-deep fake. Yeah. But I think, and I've been thinking about this just like with deep fakes in general. I think the more you're familiar with like an actor, the harder it is to get out of the uncanny valley. Because like I know that Peggy Carter, Haley Atwell... She's young because I just watched her in Captain America, like very young, and I'm familiar with that actress. So seeing her aged up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's obviously kind of fake. It's obviously possible. Like with Cap in Endgame, I think his his VFX and makeup were really good. Yeah, they were. That was amazing. Yeah, but Michael Douglas, like I I I know I'm young, but like I haven't really seen him in a lot of things. So when I first saw him young, I was like. That looks a little weird, but like I, I can believe that's a young that person. And then seeing him older, I was like, oh wow, like that was good. Like looking back, I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that. Like especially spoilers for Mandalorian season two with Luke the age. Like I know Mark Hamill is older, and I'm very familiar with that. So like seeing him, I was a little thrown off by that. But I also thought that was really good. So I don't know how you feel about that. And no, I, I think that that goes into like the logic behind what I was saying because it's like like seeing him being de-aged. I don't. Know, I guess just context-wise made more sense. Yeah. Than seeing literally Peggy which we've seen not only like in flashbacks and stuff, but also like with 
literally just like a couple of Captain America movies. I'm not saying it could have been done better. I'm just saying it's more noticeable. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was still really good. It was just noticeable. Yeah. What I really love here is how he punches him in the face. And then. <laughs> yeah. We get some exposition that his wife's gone. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it's like, dude, why would you bring it? I like the look that Howard makes. He's like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, who, what's his name, the actor? I have no idea. Uh, for this. I don't know which Howard this is. Well, they brought him back. Is yeah. Point. Yeah. There's there's two different Howards. <laughs> there's there's three Howards. There's two older Howards, and then they're the one younger Howard from Cap. <laughs> Wait, there's two older ones? Yeah, because Iron Man two, the like flashback footage of like him at the table, uh, like the recorded footage. That's a different actor than this guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, so there's three Howards. There's three Howards. <laughs> <laughs> and just like there's depending young, on when it is. <laughs> young, middle aged, old. <laughs> they're like, but there's like the two older ones are like very similar age. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Like, the one is, like, two years older than RDJ. <laughs> or maybe even two... I don't know. Anyways, let's... Marvel logo happens. Bam. We cut to Scott. Yep. <laughs> um, who's in prison. Uh, he was, he was like, 45-ish when they were filming this. Like, he, he does not age. And he still looks, like, no, no, that no, way. Dude, he looks like he's, like, in his, like... 30s max. i know max i know yeah so yeah there were i think about eight punches uh edgar writes or not edgar Wright, i keep saying that um yeah peyton reed said peyton he yeah. asked paul rudd like hey is that like actually how many we filmed i can't remember and paul rudd was like i got punched a lot during this film they kind of all just like blend together <laughs> <laughs> then he goes out to the van apparently oh man the van smells like in real life uh i think Michael Pena. Oh, really? Yeah, was saying that, like, you can polish a turd all you want, but it's still a turd. That's what he compared the van to. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. (laughs) How do you know, Daniel? (laughs) Personal experience? No, no, no. no. Like, (laughs) dude, there's some smells that you just can't get rid of. And when I had to do community service. Oh, yeah. Remember when I got in trouble for the roof thing? (laughs) Yeah. That's a whole story on its own, It's another podcast. (laughs) There's just some smells you can't get rid of. So I know exactly where he's coming from with that. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> I really like um just Paul Rudd's performance and all this. Was this improv? Like the, the way that he like did the storytelling or like the, not the storytelling, like I lost my mom and my dad oh, got the point. I have no idea. I, I don't know. I thought that was improv. That was the first day of shooting actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Luis, Michael Pena. <laughs> Let's ride in this turd of a van. There's a deleted <laughs> scene where as... Paul Rudd's like coming out to the van. Michael Pena's holding like a cell phone over his head, like a boombox, but the song was too expensive, so they couldn't get the rights to it. <laughs> like, yeah, we're just gonna scrap that. Yeah. What was the song? You know? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't think it was the one from like 16 Candles or whatever, but it was something like along the same vein. Mm, yeah. I, I saw the How It Should Have Ended, and I, I kind of like understand like they should have i feel like they should have done this but how it should have ended like uh scott lang's walking out to i almost said michael scott <laughs> scott lang's walking out michael <laughs> just michael scott that's what she said well because we have michael douglas and we have scott lang i'm just like oh but yeah scott lang walks out and then hank oh. pulls up in his car and is like hey i'll pay you a lot of money because you don't have a job and it's gonna be hard for you to find a job if you just help me like with this ant-man thing and paul was like oh yeah okay <laughs> like why did he have to go through the whole elaborate thing of like letting him steal the suit and then everything i i don't know you know what i mean i know i i know we have to like introduce our character and like movie's sake but like hank could have just been like hey, hey you need like, money i need you I, you know, yeah. yeah you need money i need i need somebody who can break into places you fit the bill let me pay it. Yeah. Yeah, that could have made more sense. Yeah. Also, wait, wait. Before you advance, I I made this one note. Yeah. And this is back at back at Shield. This is about one comment that Hank said. Okay. He said nobody will ever get that formula, and then later, like the ultimate evil Thanos gets hands on the formula. 
for the pimple. Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah. That's crazy to think about, like, how much that's developed. Wait, when does Thanos get the pimp particle? He gets it in Endgame. That's how he gets... Oh, yeah. Nebula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. Dang, yeah, that's... So... Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, then cut to him at Baskin-Robbins. I love the, like, Baskin-Robbins always finds out. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Just, like, a little trope that happens. Baskin Robbins always finds out. Yeah. But I also liked here in the director's commentary, I feel like Paul Rudd really understood the character well, especially because he was writing for the character. He said that, like, they need to find the line between a saintly, like, Robin Hood character and also, and then on the other extreme, a violent criminal. Like, you can't go too far kind of in either direction. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that was a good... walk in that line. I feel like that's a good good way to put that. I mean... Yeah. He, he says himself, like, hey, I don't, I'm not a, he's not a what, but then he's like a burglar. He's not a I thief, burgled he's them. a, he burgled them, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, he didn't yeah. rob them, that's what it was, because that, uh, that implies. A threat or something. Yeah, threat. I do went in a home, I burgled them. <laughs> yeah. I also, I just, re- I really like how Rudd, sorry, Scott <laughs> feels like a, like, normal guy, especially, like, when they're going into his apartment, like, it feels like a real, like, gritty part of town in san francisco i also like how this takes place in san francisco and not like new york like, not, like all the other. new york yeah, yeah. That's, that's another thing like this brings it to the whole other side of the coast and right like like it's still you know america but at the same time it's like <laughs> different america <laughs> different america it just brings a different feel to it which i feel like after all the different iterations of the other heroes we've been getting it was also a good change of pace with that so i totally agree yeah also in the director's commentary here uh so once they go into the apartment they said oh this was on a set down in the atlanta pinewood area which like daniel and i are a little familiar with but <laughs> yeah, but yes. this was this was the first major motion picture that filmed there wait really yeah like that, that set down there like it's very new because of the recent like tax incentives <laughs> and like from then on out that's been like marvel's spot they, they've been filming a lot of stuff down there very recently yeah very recently i wonder what projects they're working on now anyways uh so we get to meet the crew <laughs> yeah kurt the russian guy yep um he is played by i don't know i don't have his name written down but he's also the, the cop in the dark knight um that like the joker i think like he almost goes off and tries to kill gordon i'm pretty sure and then he's also going to be playing polka dot man in the upcoming the suicide squad directed by james gunn wait really yeah yeah go you kurt Rudd, Paul Rudd said he didn't realize that he wasn't Russian because he was just doing the accent all the time. <laughs> also, him and Paul Rudd like grew up in the same town in Kansas City to buy to Kansas City together, apparently. Hey, Paul, you remember me? Uh, uh, no. I don't remember living with a Russian spy. I grew up in Russia. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's something I would do. Like, if I'm like just on set and just like commit to like, live a whole, in Russia, grow up in Russia, that's something you'd do? Yeah, no, I totally grew up in Russia. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? But no, like being on set and just doing like a Russian accent the whole time to mess with people. <laughs> I imagine, but like I feel like one of the leads can do that. But I imagine you just you're just like a background extra, just like yeah. Imagine little, if I was like an extra, or like you just give your own your extra. You give your extra, yeah, like just a whole <laughs> backstory. Like <laughs> I am from the Russian uh, mob or yes. something. <laughs> my name is Emilio Contoya. Uh, you will kill my father. <laughs> <laughs> just totally change gears, like just whip like out a mid. sword in the middle of a take. Like, oh my goodness, what is that? How did you get that in here? It's not allowed on set. He shrunk it with Ant-Man technology, the pin particles. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I could, not gonna lie. If, like, if I wanted to bring in like a sword or something like that, I 
He's got, he's got plenty of pant leg, you know? Yeah, maybe... Oh. Uh, this is all a joke, guys. Daniel's not going to bring swords it. into any sets. I would just so not for do legal it reasons. No, <laughs> Anyways, back I, to the I tank. Back to the tank. So, we get to Pym Tech, which is the Georgia Records building, which was... All, it was also the news station in Anchorman 2, which Paul Rudd was also in. So, he was like, it was nice to, like, going back there. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it is. I just... I forgot about that. Yeah. Just seeing the building, I was like, wait, wait a second. Yeah. We also meet Evangeline Lilly, who plays uh, Hope. Hope. Yeah. Yep. I don't know about her haircut. And we meet Baldy McTiny. <laughs> yeah, dude, Baldy McTiny. He's freaking... Corey Stoll plays him. I thought he did a pretty good job. No, he did a really good job as, like, a villain. Like, with what he was given. Yeah. He was pretty menacing for not having, like, any superpowers. There's, like, a little bit of a craziness that he was able to sell with it. Which yeah. Which I think helped it out a lot. And you never knew yeah. how much he knew. Like, you always thought he was, like, in the dark until right at the end where he was like, oh, actually, I knew everything, like, that you were at, like, the house and everything. You know? And you're like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, my that's, goodness. That's one thing I love about this because it's, like, it's literally, like, three heists at, like, actually, like, four <laughs> at the same time, you know? Like, Scott starts off in jail because he did a heist, kind of. Yeah. So then he gets out of jail. He has to do another heist so he can see his daughter. And then goes into him doing the reverse heist, trying to bring it back. But then he gets called by the cops by Hope. So then, then he has to do the ant heist. He has to do end. another ant heist, and then, but to do that, he's got to go to do the Avengers heist. Oh yeah, <laughs> dang. Anyways, anyways. Also here in the exposition, when uh, Cross, Doctor Cross, Baldy McTiny is revealing his plan, he says "Tales to Astonish" and like kind of like a little side thing. But that is actually the first comic that series that Ant Man appeared in. Tales to Astonish, number like oh. 27, issue 27, I believe. Huh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's a little nod to that. I like whenever they do little throws like that. Yeah. Apparently, Corey Stoll, the guy that plays Baldy McTiny, is actually like a big comic book kind of nerd Peyton Reed was saying, so that was kind of cool. Hmm. Also, then we see this like World War II footage or, or like old war footage, maybe not World War II, whatever, of uh, Ant-Man. First off, I just want to call it BS that that camera can zoom and enhance and see the freaking ant. I know, dude. That's what I was thinking. Like, how would you know? Yeah. No. Also, it's really just supposed to be like a longer, larger sequence. It's like a full flashback. Um, I feel like this works better just kind of seeing it on like the footage and stuff. Agreed. I feel like if it was longer, it would have, like, dragged on too long. I mean, this is already... A, I mean, it's not that long of a movie, but it's pretty long. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like that's a good spot to just keep it simple. Yeah. I like how Frank is like, so, it's a suit. And then he just pauses <laughs> and looks at him like... You're like, oh, Frank, you're, you're toast. Just, yeah, yeah. When he does that awkward shoulder touch, and you're just like, no. He's like, oh, man. He's a goner. Yeah. And then, so... Next here, we talk about her haircut. Hope is like, why? No, Hope is like, we need uh, <laughs> like someone or like, why can't I do it? And then Hank is like, I know a guy. And I, I'm like, why did he choose Scott? And there's a deleted scene that I wish wasn't deleted because I feel like it helps the case a little bit. Like, I understand he wants to protect his daughter and that's brought up later. But the deleted scene is actually of the heist that Scott pulls. You can actually watch on Disney Plus the deleted scene of the original heist that got Scott, like, taken away. And it explains it more about, like, how he was stealing back the money that was owed and it shows him being like like a noble like robin hood kind of type and apparently like hanks describes it as he says the very specific line that jumped out to me he said the what's it called the code changed every 1.5 seconds it was a like a, a pattern and so like to prevent people from hacking it, and hope was like what did he do and, and hank was like he predicted the pattern and hope was like how and hank was like i don't know and so like i feel like that right there is like good reason why hank wants him on the team and i feel like that isn't 
exactly spelled out in the current version we have just my opinion no agreed like i didn't know that part like like again like the movie sells it like yeah there's this unbreakable thing that he wasn't able to do or shouldn't have been able to do but he did yeah but the fact that like hank couldn't figure out like how he did it that that, right that kind of makes scott that makes him look a lot more like we like we already see how intelligent he is when he breaks in to get the suit in the first place but like yeah i feel like that i agree i agree i think that should have been in the movie it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. What's it, what? What is it? Like if you go to Ant Man and click extras, you can see it. Okay, I'll look that up. Dude. Yeah, one of the lead scenes. Yeah, that, that sounds much better, honestly, because like they bring it up multiple times, where it's like, oh yeah, he he broke in and he's the Robin Hood, <laughs> he's the martyr. Oh, no, he, he burgled them. Bends <laughs> into the pool. Yeah, you actually see that. Uh, in you the, do in the yeah, not him driving it, but just the the car, the aftermath, like the, the car, car in the, in the pool. pool. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, back to tank. So we get to the birthday party. And I, I kind of like Paxton, the new fiance. I feel like he's he's a good actor. He's the villain in Jumanji, the newer Jumanji. Yeah. Also, the rabbit that he gives his daughter is the voice of the rabbit is the voice of SpongeBob. That's that actor. Wait, really? It's yeah. Kenny? Yeah. I think his name is Kenny. Also, also, Judy Greer plays Scott's ex-wife, who is the assistant on Arrested Development. Uh, and I really like Arrested Development. She, it's just like crazy. Like she is like crazy on Arrested Development. She's so much not like her character on Arrested Development like, on this. <laughs> she's like trying to be normal on this. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently Judy Greer, Paul Rudd, and Michael Pena did karaoke one night and Paul Rudd said it was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> then Frank dies. Frank is shot. <laughs> he's not shot. He's freaking shrunk. They use practical strawberry jam on the floor when he wipes it up oh i thought you were gonna say they actually shrunk him no (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) yeah they actually have that gun in a vault somewhere because it's too powerful the most powerful prop ever made jeez dude that would be terrible yeah and apparently there's a deleted scene where baldy mctiny like tastes frank before flushing him (laughs) wait really yeah but they were like that's too far so they yeah why would he That'd be hilarious, but also like disturbing. I know. Ugh, just, <laughs> why would you lick it? <laughs> then we get a quick scene of Hope and McTiny on a date. It's not really a great date. He starts just bashing your father pretty much. Like, yeah, uh, your dad sucks. <laughs> like, I don't know how to do that, man. <laughs> um, then we get what do we get scott in the van saying looking like oh man i can't see my daughter soon apparently that night some homeless guy or, or someone just like went went up to the van and like peed on it when they were filming apparently <laughs> i don't know i don't know how that happened like how they got san whatever. francisco well actually that's georgia so georgia <laughs> but yeah so then he goes to meal about the tip and we get the amazing montage about like the the rumor the tip kind of thing recapping dude i love these montages these are great apparently there's a rumor that like there's footage of luis recapping the entire mcu like that but i don't know if like that's ever been seen or if that's even true i think it might just be a rumor but i wish i wish (laughs) but dude if it could be told by that dude that'd be amazing yeah That'd be really cool. But anyway, so the way they shot this, they said that they had Pena in the apartment, like doing all the audio standing there and they recorded him doing the entire thing. And then they took it to the cutting room immediately, edited all the audio down. And then they sent that back out so they could have that on set when they were recording. And then they casted extras based on who could do like the voice, like the lip syncing. The lip syncing the best? Yeah, the best. And apparently people, some people like had trouble with that, but apparently Anthony Mackie, you know how he does it right at the end? Yeah. He was like one of the best at it, apparently. (laughs) So that was funny. We get some heist prep montage, some cool shots, dynamic cameras, I thought. Pretty much what they know is that they have 
this crazy vault that the old guy owns it and he's gone for a week. That's all they know. Yeah, they don't know when he leaves, which is big because in a deleted scene, they were like, wait, you don't know when he leaves? So they went up to his house and went up to the side and broke the cable. And so they could knock on his door and be like, hey, like, is your cable broken? We're here to fix it. And, and, um, he actually like answers the door and so like their that's their first interaction is it's michael douglas like and hank pretending to be like this senile old man this war vet that like uses a cane like is helpless he like tips him like a nickel at the end like go buy yourself something nice like <laughs> it was pretty funny <laughs> it's like uh paul rudd like scoping out the, the thing yeah but they cut that i understand time just stuff. in general i think i was guessing we cut i mean i don't think it was a necessary part i mean it could just be talked about later in the details of the heist like during the montage like okay he's gone on this day you know yeah. so i feel like that that's an okay thing to skip over yeah but in the heist but the way he gets up there and get in dude that's parkour cool. like the parkour yeah i mean i know that parkour <laughs> again michael scott parkour <laughs> yeah paul rudd did a uh, a year of parkour training but i still think he said that was his stunt double that did that specific stunt yeah i, I feel like you need a stunt for that one big jump yeah he's yeah, like yeah. going up the one side that's pretty easy but like when he did like the one leap like over I'm like yeah <laughs> it, it reminds yeah. me a lot i probably shouldn't say this but so when i go up to the house to say college right oh my gosh <laughs> sometimes there's not a key there and I can't get in, so I kind of have to do something similar <laughs> to get inside. You're like Ant-Man. Daniel, you've passed your, your test. You can now become Ant-Man. I have the parkour to get onto, like, the second-level balcony that has, like, a doorway to, like, the upstairs bathroom for some reason. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, it's really weird, but as soon as he did that, I was like, wait, that's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the tank. So they go to the vault, um, do, like, all that crazy fingerprint stuff that... I think, I guess, is like Hank testing him, even though I feel like none of this applies to breaking into the thing at the end. I don't know. Thinking on your feet, whatever. But the Peyton Reed said that the name of his hometown is actually painted on the front of the safe as like a homage Easter egg kind of thing. Hmm. Peyton Reed said he really liked this sequence because it's mostly practical in, in a, like a film with a lot of visual effects, like all the, the stuff like shooting out and the, the vault door like falling and stuff. That was all practical? Yeah. It was probably like not a real door, like not a heavy steel door. It probably added the no, sound. No, like, I, like I understand it was a prop door that like was <laughs> shooting the bolt out of. I understand that. But like, <laughs> it's pretty cool. But yeah, so Hank is revealed to be watching and monitoring him from like a bat cave. What would you call that for Ant-Man? Like the ant hill. That's actually, yes. The ant hill. That's the pretty good. The ant hill. <laughs> that's pretty good. Oh my, that's kind of lame, but I don't know. Nah, dude, that's cool. <laughs> what else would you call it? <laughs> <laughs> the ant hill <laughs> i don't know anyways so we cut back to mctiny baldy mctiny who kills a baby sheep a lamb yeah, a little lamb apparently on this day peyton reed said that the caterer served lamb chops the day they were filming with the lamb <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he was no. like i'm hoping it was a coincidence but it was like a cruel joke it felt like <laughs> oh that's so messed up and then like after seeing like, the actual cut where like they just disintegrate the lamb they're like oh no also the freaking mctiny is like all right bring in the next subject like aren't you gonna change anything like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results like what well he said he said keep killing lambs he said a different number so i'm assuming the formula like there's so many different iterations of the formula no he said a different number for like different test subject number yeah but at the same time different test subject number for different vial numbers what i think like that's how i, I don't do think it. so you got a court well why would you do the same formula again exactly i think he's insane <laughs> well he is insane but he's not that he's not literally insane he's just crazy insane 
anyways i think it's a di- i think there's different iterations of the all particle right. that he's trying that's what i think he was doing so he's like trying out particle c36 with the next lamb or something like that. <laughs> all right what do you think of the ant-man suit because that's the next scene is when he puts it on in his bathroom i think it's pretty cool i think it again like with how marvel does it it takes a lot from the comics but it also makes a like realistic twist to it yeah i personally like the newer ones better yeah i agree but this this is supposed to be like the older analog suit that is from hank's time so i think it works well. yeah exactly so it works perfect yeah. Yeah. It, there's, they had two suits. Um, they had a rubber suit for like stunts and then they had a beauty suit. And the helmet apparently had 40 pieces to connect and it took like so many people to get on. Really? So, yeah. Wait, so just to get on? Yeah. Well, what was the pop up and like the drop down jaw thing? Uh, is that That all? was CG. Okay, I was going to say. I'm pretty sure. I didn't know if that was like mechanical or not. Also, like the red eyes were cg as well like they they didn't have any like oh, really sunglass visor things there they wanted to get his eyes in there because and this is something i actually kind of like they didn't copy like iron man the inside the hud shot they wanted your like vessel into the superhero world to be through his eyes kind of thing um so and also kind of like makes him look like buggish like ant-man i don't know well no that, that makes sense because like again this is like we said this is a more relatable character because he's just another guy right he acts like just a regular guy so yeah I feel like that was definitely a good call, like, character-wise. And yeah, making his eye, I guess that does make his eyes look more buggy. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, buggy-buggy, but yeah. Buggy-buggy-bo-buggy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then he shrinks, and I really like the, when he's, like, shrunk, like, the these scenes. I think the filming and like the effects are really good they they use like macro photography to get reference and like a bunch of reference shots and then they put it in a 3d software so that they can move the camera around it as well huh. a lot of different like techniques and combining and i think it, it's really effective did it do like any like 3d scans on top of the the micro photography um, or i'm not sure i know i know they did a lot of mocap with Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd actually said that like he got so tired from it, like it was just like the cardio was exhausting for just running around in mocap, but it was a lot of fun, he said. <laughs> just imagine yeah. that, like having the like fake being tossed around in like water. <laughs> yeah. That would be a lot. Yeah, it's getting like pulled around. But they also added like the dust and stuff which all on the ground to emphasize and I think that really helped um show everything. But this is also the first time we see he's small and he's like really small. Stan Lee actually said like when he filmed his cameo that he was super excited that it was Ant-Man was bringing back to the medium of film because whenever like they brought that to comics they had to draw him not to scale like Stanley said Ant-Man's never been drawn to scale because that just doesn't make sense like they have to draw him bigger so that they can first of all get all the details in him and also so that people can see him on the page but like he's supposed to be as small as like the size of an ant yeah yeah as small as we see him in the film so Stanley said he was really excited about this project because of that which that was pretty cool that seal of approval. Good old Stan. I also love his cameo in this. But we don't get that to like the end, but still, yeah. it's, it's great. I have this whole sequence when he's like dancing around. I'm not really dancing around, but he's at a dance party uh, and like is small. Yeah, he's just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. When he lands on the truck, the guy in the truck, that's Garrett Morris, who was technically, technically the very first Ant-Man in live action because he played him on an SNL skit. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that somewhere in, um, it was like a while ago when like where I think you might show me the behind the scenes like forever ago. Either you or somebody else. And I remember seeing the SNL skit, and he's like, oh, it's like, it looks like the actual comic accurate suit. Yeah. And it's just so, like, weird, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I like that sequence. Um, and then Scott returns the suit, gets caught, is jailed. Oh, sorry. Before before we get there, apparently when he has the suit and like apparently there was a cut sequence that before he returns it, he and like he doesn't freak out. And then he like goes on this whole spree of like using it to like be a better like 
person thief kind of thing no not person oh. <laughs> like oh. he helps his friends at the <laughs> casino like he they don't know that he's helping them but like it's literally like a sh- shot for shot remake of like the first time we see iron man when like he throws the dice at the casino and he, and he like rolls the dice except it's except it's luis it's luis throwing the dice and then you see ant-man like flip the dice to what he wants and then like he uh ant-man like flips the dice to what luis wants and then yeah like they celebrate and then they come home and scott's there before they get back and like they're celebrating because they just made a lot of money but then he returns it but they cut all that <laughs> yeah i feel like it was a good thing to cut i mean it kind of goes back on like the robin hood thing it's kind of i feel like at that point it's just more like stealing true yeah yeah it was a good idea yeah I like, um, I mean, I don't like that he puts the suit on in like three seconds when he's breaking out of jail, especially after learning that there's like 40 pieces to that helmet in real life. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. I'm like, how did he do that? I'm like, why wouldn't you just like hide the suit, wait for them to like talk to you or whatever, wait for them to leave, and then like, yeah, I don't know. What happens if you put like your arm in the suit, but nothing else, and then press the button? You know what happened to the cross at the end? That's uh, what will happen. <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> His arm just literally goes away, and you're like, oh. Bye-bye. Yeah. First off, I don't think this chase sequence needs to be as dramatic as it is as he's, like, escaping. Like, the cops are like, we gotta get him, and it's, like, super intense music, and, like, he's flying away on the ant. Like, once you shrink, like, you're good. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, what is this intense, like, chase? Like, what? <laughs> no one knows but where I, you I are. I guess there did need to be, like, a transition from, like, pass out yeah. for him to then be at the Pims. so. Yeah. That's weird, th- that's weird to call it, like, the Pims residence. The Pim pantry. I don't know. <laughs> when they're in the kitchen all the time talking about the plan for the heist yeah is that the actual ant- anthill then the pantry <laughs> i don't know anyways back to take so i actually wrote down when i first time i watched it and then peyton reed also commented when i watched the director's commentary afterwards uh, i think it's really cool they have like a shallow depth of field but kind of like wide lenses almost like it's very tough to do that like they have shallow depth of field to show that it's really small but they have wide lenses to show like the big environment around them kind of thing. the big scale of it yeah and also a lot of the time they like are out of focus and like have to really rack back quick and it's to try to mimic like what if there was a real cameraman trying to focus on something this small that is what would actually happen so i think that adds to the realism of this small person ant-man yeah like both the digital and i mean i guess it would all be digital at that scale <laughs> yeah uh, d- d- just just the camera work it's just, a, it's just a cameraman just flailing around, randomly <laughs> focusing, and then like, they'll add it in post. <laughs> and they add Ant-Man just like tracking randomly. Uh, but no, no, no. What I, what I mean was, because I mean, that's technically, I mean, it's layout, but it's also the role of technically an animator, if you think about it. I want to see the that. The way of how you move a, a digital camera around. Yeah. So I agree. I feel like that was done very well. I just want to see like a cameraman just running around, like like camera just pointing at the ground, like oh he'll be here, then he'll jump over here, and then up and down, and woo, he'll fly over here, <laughs> just aiming it all around. Oh, yeah, it's like that, especially in, like the boss fight at the end, where you're just going yeah. all around Cassie's bedroom. That'd be crazy. There's just a guy sticking his like camera in the briefcase, just like <laughs> ooh, and then they'll be over here. They'll jump on the phone. <laughs> Imagine um, trying to set up like an actual camera. Ri- like you've seen like the cameras that can actually do that, like the macro photography. Yeah. Like but like, imagine having like a whole rig set up to where like you're able to have like a actual tiny camera set up on like a I don't know like a tentacle or like a trunk that way you're able to then, like control it. That'd be actually kind of cool. wow. All right. Anyways, back to the tank or back to the tank i should say apologies everyone yeah so scott passed out he wakes up in like hank's victorian home and apparently so the the bites sorry the ants that like apparently have like the most extreme bite paul rudd did research and that's apparently the most extreme pain like anyone can experience and still live like a bite from 
those things. Jeez. And I, let me tell you, I had some Chinese food that was very spicy last night, and that was pretty bad. So I don't want to even know <laughs> what that. <laughs> that's not even a lie. I, I, I was not in a good place last night when I had. Oh that really? Chinese. Yeah, I, I accidentally bit this pepper. I usually pick them out, but I missed one, and I was. Just oh, like, wait, that's the pepper you're talking about? Yeah. Is that why you were in bad mood when we were gaming? <laughs> That was part of the reason. <laughs> oh my goodness. My tongue was like on fire. <laughs> for context for those listeners, we were playing a game last night and Jake was just like, mm-hmm, yeah. Like I could tell you like you're just trying to keep your mouth shut. I didn't know the pepper was that bad. Like, it was bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, Pim gives a little bit of explaining here, but still doesn't really explain anything. He's very vague. Scott's our, our audience vessel. Like he doesn't know anything, but so he's our excuse for exposition. Yeah. He's like, who are you? Who is she? Can I go back to jail now? Yeah. Also, apparently, so when the, the ants are moving the sugar cubes, that they had like a huge practical rig set up that they were like moving these sugar cubes, but then they painted it out and then just did it digitally. But like they had it for reference at least. Yeah. <laughs> sugar cubes moving. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Also, also when he goes down to the lair and shows him some like the suit and everything, the ant hill that is there is an exact copy of a Jack Kirby drawing and it was 3D printed apparently. Really? I don't know why... That was important to mention, but they've talked about it a while. Well, talking about 3D printers, I saw that there was a Form 3 3D printer down there. Yes. So every scientist needs to have one was Peyton Reed's explanation in the director's commentary <laughs> for why he had that. <laughs> every scientist needs a 3D printer. Yeah. You're not a real scientist. You don't have one. I mean, I guess it does make sense to like how he makes a lot of the stuff without like going to like actual manufacturing places. Yeah. Like the special like stuff for ants, like a saddle probably. <laughs> you can't, you yeah. can't just buy that on eBay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. I need one ant saddle. <laughs> I need, you need more than one. You're like, I need like 50 million <laughs> ant saddles. Oh, yes. One tiny micro camera to place on my ant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways so yeah mctiny has a breakthrough with the lamb i love when the shot when he comes like stands up his bald head just emerges and i was like oh baldy mctiny living <laughs> up to his name <laughs> i feel bad for him. i'm not making, trying to make fun of him for being bald bald i actually really like like how like you yeah, know he's a good character he looks imposing yeah but like come on like, like it's, it's just not making fun of him we're making fun it's of the, like the, the, the stereotypical trope. yeah trope yeah. that we're always getting for, for, since iron man one like <laughs> uh, up man. through endgame like from the beginning to the end <laughs> and everywhere in between anyways it's weird to think about there's even baldy mcbaddies in space you know it's like, i know but yeah i like scott's point he makes here he's like our first move should be to call the avengers <laughs> i mean it, like yes <laughs> it's a good it's a good idea but then again what hank brings up hank does him. have a good excuse why they don't yeah because uh him and stark which you know makes good sense and he bashes this he's like this is not some cutesy tech like the iron man suit and then he's like we're not dropping cities out of the sky they're too busy doing that i was like Dang. i was like Dang. <laughs> yeah also, uh, Michael Douglas said that in an interview I saw that this is apparently one of the first films that he did with like blue and green screen huh. because he does a lot of contemporary stuff. That's cool to know. I like it when he says I need you to break in somewhere and steal some shit. I know. That was funny. That, he does have a good <laughs> quip there. I also like that just Hank and Scott can bond over earning the love of their daughters. Like, I feel like that's a really good parallel yeah. throughout this that bonds them. I, I feel like character wise, that's what drew Hank in like like he liked scott's intellect right yeah and his ability to think on his feet and that's why he was testing but he's a dad but yeah he's he's relating to him personally and this also goes into what he was talking about later when he talks across and he's like why did you pick me as your your mentee and he's like i saw myself and he's like so then why do you push me away i saw too much of myself yeah you that's know? a good line and cross he saw the bad parts of him but in scott he sees the good parts of him he sees the dad yeah I think I think it's a good parallel there. 
I, I agree. Anyways, we get a training montage, some good moments in here. This film doesn't really have a big second act, it's just kind of training and getting ready for the third act, which I think is why people sometimes think that Ant-Man isn't as exciting. Besides, like, the Falcon fight, that's, like, the only kind of action thing in there. There's just, like, a lot of training. I do like the smaller scale, though. Personally, it's just a great way to get back into Marvel after taking a break <laughs> just for this podcast, but also just, like, it's a good break in the middle after Ultron, before Civil War. Like, those are two big movies. Yeah, I, I can understand that, but at the same time, like, I feel like superhero movies, even though they are like oh they need they need to be like big fights and all the kind like doesn't always have to be that yeah so I like, agree. Like, like what you're saying with like the bigger movies right like where you have like all the team ups and like everything's going crazy yeah that's epic but if everything was like that it would get dull you know yeah I'm I'm sure you've seen have you seen Wonder Woman yet I have not the Wonder Woman eighty four it's kind of disappointing because there's there's you say that I've heard a lot of good things about it though no dude there's a lot of potholes and everything but ultimately there's points to where they try to do fights in that movie, right? Uh-huh. I don't want to spoil it, but, like, they try to do fights, and then it's just they're trying too hard. I can't believe you spoiled that for me, Daniel. There are fights in a superhero movie? Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> and then other times, there's there should be fights, and there aren't. It's just weird. Oh, well. That's just, that's just my opinion. But We're not here talking about Wonder Woman, Daniel. No offense, but... But, my, you know, my point is, is that this movie point, is, is paced very well. For what it is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it's like like we said, it's a heist movie. It's not like a big yeah. fight em up. It's not like some kind of action thriller. It's a heist movie, and it stays true to that. I think considering that Edgar Wright literally like bailed two weeks before they were supposed to start filming. It was either two weeks or two months, whatever. It was still very quick. That's still a short time, yeah. Yeah, then I've and that Peyton Reed was able to like create this, and the writers were able to salvage. I feel like it's pretty good for what it is. But yeah, so... I also think it's cool in this training montage how that he has like two teachers and mentors kind of thing. Like in the other origin films, it's all about the protagonist kind of figuring it out on their own. And uh, it's interesting having like teachers, mentors. It's kind of like leading into that whole thing of him being like an like a everyman, like one of the humans. I don't know us. <laughs> um, like you would have you would want a mentor and someone to like help you along. You, you would need that kind of thing. Yeah. Also, when he's introduced to all the ants here, Reed and the creatives wanted to give each category of ants like their own personalities and traits so like the bullet ants or whatever whatever the small ones are they like are like supposed to be like dogs and like pets kind of thing and then like yeah the whatever i think the bullet ones are like meaner or something crazy ants or i don't know they're supposed to be different i don't know we also get antony here <laughs> <laughs> no I, I understand what you mean like like they definitely characterize and broke them up very well not only like with the traits of like what their purposes are yeah but also just how they they're characterized and their like behavioral traits so, like, like the crazy ones, right? I think those are... Are they fire ants or are they electric ants? Technically, they're electric ants, but they're... No, fire ants were used for building stuff. The bullet ants were the... Or bullet ants were the heavy hitters. I have no idea. Carpenter ants were the transports. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of different ones. Gotcha. All right. Also, so then they're fighting. Hope uh, has Paul Rudd in his crotch. In her crotch. Apparently, the actress... Uh, Evangeline Lilly said that um, she had to spend like half a day with Paul Rudd just in her crotch for that <laughs> shot, <laughs> and it was very uncomfortable. But I thought it was just crazy that that's like a half a second in the film. <laughs> yeah, that's weird to think about. Like how many times like you'd have to do that take. Yeah, we also see Paul Rudd's abs. He lost five and a half inches around his waist, apparently. Really? That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's funny um, that Peyton Reed said it's no coincidence that Rudd rhymes with stud. Am I right? <laughs> Paul Rudd was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> 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 I wrote the sentence here. 
Hope shows off by making ants put sugar cubes in tea. And I was like, that's a weird sentence to write. <laughs> yeah, and she also went kind of like dark side, like literally she yeah. started like closing in like the light on the yeah. lamp. And it's like, why would you, are you okay? Down. <laughs> <laughs> it leads into a good moment though with Hope and Paul Rudd in the car. Like, <laughs> You're like Hope and- uh, I couldn't think, I couldn't think of- <laughs> Scott Lang. I was like, Michael Scott? No. <laughs> Um, Hope and, and, and Scott Lang in the car, like, bonding over, like, daughters and stuff. That was actually Evangeline Lilly's first day of shooting. It was a very intense, like, scene. <laughs> I think she did good. Yeah. You know, she, she conveys her emotion, especially, like, with how her character's having, like, these daddy issues. Yeah. You know, she's, she's portraying it well, like, the how she tried to, like, manage it. Speaking of daddy issues, Hank then reveals how Janet originally died, and then Paul Rudd ruins the moment. Regulator foreshadowing. I just ruined the moment, didn't I? Yes, you did. I'm going to make some tea. So... We get to the end of the training montage, and then I literally forgot to go to Avengers HQ at this point. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot this was like a thing. Yeah, same. I like, they're going in to do the drop, I'm like, oh wait, <laughs> the facility, oh wait, and then yeah. Yeah. It's funny because he just like lands on the roof, he commits, he's like, now nah, we're doing this. Like, you're putting the whole thing at risk. I love how he instantly like reveals himself. Well, no, like literally everything that they say, it's like, oh, they can't see me, we see you. <laughs> and he's like, hi, I'm Scott. <laughs> yeah. Well, Paul Rudd and... And Adam, I don't know if that's his first name, something McKay I wrote down, one of the writers, they said that they needed this sequence because in every like heist movie, there's always like a test run that doesn't go as planned. So that was supposed to be kind of this in in this movie. Yeah, I think it's a good fight, like really creative use between these two powers. I love how Scott's just constantly like apologizing. <laughs> I, like, I like how he starts off with like, you gotta save the world, you know, like, you know how that is, you're an Avenger. Like he just assumes yeah. that like Falcon's like already been, I mean, he kind of already has been in it. Yeah, with Cap. Uh, what a soldier. Yeah. It's also, it's also cool to see because they're both technically the same tier. Like they're both just regular people using these yeah. suits. So it's cool to see how they interact and like how they, you know, go at each other. And like even though Falcon, he, he has like the higher military training and all that. I, I still feel like it'd be tough to fight an ant. <laughs> yeah, it's still tough to fight an Someone ant. who can just shrink and grow at will. Yeah. I, I feel like that fight, it's just cool to see like how, how the characters comparatively like come at each other you know yeah yeah edgar or not edgar, oh my gosh peyton reed <laughs> said that um it was cool because like when he was a kid you would always wonder like what if these two heroes went against each other and you like debate with your friends and like they just got to do that but like actually see it happen actually see it yeah <laughs> yeah this was this was also filmed in the back lot of pinewood studios in the woods and that all the vfx sorry all the avengers facility is vfx hmm. anyways scott got the tech baldy mctiny is in the house menacing again oh my gosh uh and it's just a very a very tense scene you know like we we learned later like his true intent for being there but like, yeah, he was gonna kill him yeah so that's kind of heavy yeah unlike ant-man huh. he's so he's so heavy he's just he can stand on people's shoulders without them noticing the science is a little iffy because like yeah that's the thing what's his face can hold the tank in his pocket fine like but when you punch it's like a full force of a man it's so keep the same density it's like captain america's shield it absorbs vibrations when it wants to and then doesn't when it doesn't want to <laughs> well no it's it says you keep the same density not that you keep the same mass right so if you keep the same density i think your mass would tend to proportionally scale down Dens- isn't it density mass times velocity or is that power Dude, mr wagner would be so mad at us right now <laughs> not that yeah no something it's a di- <laughs> division division I mean, density is something with division i think is volume over i don't know anyways um Sorry, uh, we're on break. It's fine. Yeah, it's mass over volume. It's mass over volume. Yeah, so then you just have to have a lot more velocity. You have a lot less volume. So when you move slow, 
you are just super heavy. But if you start running, you're like really light. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. That's probably not how it works out. Anyways, <laughs> we get the crew together. We get Luis and, and everyone. He shows them the Ant-Man Yeah, because the plans change. When Cross is there, he's like, yeah, we're going to triple security. We're going to put like yeah. laser gates on like all entrances. So then they had to come up with a new way to get in. And they're like, hey, go through the water main. Yeah. And that's when they have that. Add the extra buoys. I like when Luis is like, Luis is in the system, yeah. I also like how he just kind of has like a character arc. He starts out as a bad guy, kind of, and then becomes a good guy and then saves that guy at the end. I like his little mini character arc. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, well, I think he always has been like, quote unquote, good of character. Yeah, he's very positive, especially even in the beginning yeah. when like all that stuff was going wrong. He's like, I still got the van or whatever. Like, he's a good positive guy, which is nice to see like for someone who hasn't really had it good in life, you know? Anywho. Anyways, so yeah, then we cut to like them going in the pipes and everything. The ant raft. I just noticed this last rewatch that the ants had like lights on them so that like Ant Man could, could see, see, which I thought that was cool. I didn't notice yeah. that before. We got a raft of ants. Aquaman, who? <laughs> I don't think Aquaman could fit into that pipe. Exactly. Ant Man superior. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they actually did a lot of reference for just this, like the water traveling the pipe. So they shot like the macro inside of a pipe just for reference. Uh, and then they shot water traveling through the pipes at different frame rates to figure out what it would look like when they redid it CG-wise. Hmm, that's interesting. And they come out the bathroom. Hank is almost arrested, so what's-his-face steals the car. Just imagine seeing that. I know, dude, that... Uh, like, a bunch of ants coming out, like, the sink. Health inspectors coming dude, in. That'd be horrendous. That and the kitchen from Ratatouille. Ugh, would not want to be there. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. I mean, if it's good food. What? <laughs> Actually, nah. So. I would not want a rat <laughs> cooking my food. Well, think about it. A cartoon rat, that is different, though. Yeah, that's different. If it's a real rat, no, dude, definitely not. But if it was it's like Remy. in the world of Ratatouille, that's fine. Rat patootie. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> I like the sequence when Scott's flying through the server room. They they yes. did reference with Tokyo at night. That was kind of what that was based on. And I thought the lights and the camera that's flying around was really cool. That's one thing I noticed because it definitely does look more like a city because I'm not sure if you... If you've ever been to like a server farm, no, but they do not look as pretty as that. Well, yes, I have actually. I have. You have? Yeah. When Where? I in LA, when I was working for my one internship, I was doing dailies, and in the the room connected, I had to go into sometimes was the server room. It was very hot in one spot and very cold in another. Oh, well, yeah, because you have to have your hot lanes and your cold lanes to maintain where your temperatures are. Yeah. It doesn't look, like, all pretty and, like, glowy like that. It's usually just, like... Yeah, it was not. There's a lot of wires. Cable management was horrible. <laughs> Dude, being, being inside of a data center, even you're able to see, like, public companies and how they have their server set up, you either have the people that are, like, yeah. super precise and they actually, like, arrange their cables properly, or there's just full-on spaghetti, dude. And it is terrible. <laughs> These guys are kind of in the middle in this film. Maybe they just shrunk. Maybe they shrunk all the wires so that you couldn't see them. Well, no. In some cases, they had wires that were like kind of organized. And the other ones, they had ones that were like just really mixed match. It's like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Which adds character to them like flying through it. But at the same time, just like, come on. Have some consistency. Your IT guy would not do that. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Back to the tank. So, what's his face? Um, Baldy McTiny is going to sell the Hydra, we find out. They're not what they used to be. How would you know? Yeah, Mitchell Carson is the name of the guy, uh, of the Hydra guy, who, like, Douglas punched in the face earlier. Yeah. He had to spend so much time in the makeup chair, because he's actually, like, young, and they just put old man makeup on him, which I thought was pretty good. He's actually a younger guy. Again, because I don't know that actor, seeing him old, I was like, oh, that's normal. Yeah, it, it works well. Yeah. I just thought he was old. Yeah, same. One of his goons, one of Mitchell Carson's goons, had a Ten Rings tattoo sticking out on his neck. Really? Which references... The Mandarin. The, 
the Mandarin and also potentially like Shang-Chi, the real Mandarin, which we're going to see in the upcoming Marvel movie coming up soon. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. That's weird. So does that mean you think Hydra's affiliated with the uh, Mandarin then? Definitely. At least some parts of them are probably. I don't know, dude. Hmm. I'm going to say yes. And I'm also going to say maybe not. So looking back, my prediction will always be right. <laughs> That's like the agnostic way of theorizing. Anyways, uh... So Scott jumps down the tube, almost gets sliced, but the yellow jack is taken. Intense culmination here, almost. Yeah, this is this is the big twist, like when he, he starts monologuing. Yeah, big or not big, Baldy McTiny. <laughs> Biggie big. McTiny. <laughs> <laughs> Biggie McTiny here. He's just normal sized. <laughs> He's a very small giant. He's proportional. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he starts monologuing and starts talking about, oh yeah, we're gonna sell these to Hydra. If you want the fuel, you'll come to me. Which, I, I don't really think that makes sense, because, like, they could just buy a vial instead of putting it in a suit. Like, just, like, analyze it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay. That's, that's just neat. let him have it. <laughs> and then, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill kill this guy. I'm also going to kill Hank, like, directly. Yeah, he almost kills Hank. And that's when Scott's like, I'm just going to begin right here. A little this thing. This The sound design here is really cool, like of all the ant sounds and then when he's small also when he shoots the gun right next to like when he's running on the gun in a couple seconds like and the bullet fires like would that just like destroy his eardrums like or does do you think the ant-man suit has like special hearing padding or something it probably has special hearing padding if you think about it because if you take in real sound waves at that scale it probably like well, you die you probably get knocked back honestly well no here's the thing a human at that scale Okay. Oh, it's about the density. <sighs> well, no, no, no. Not only density, like our entire biology would just like not work. Actually, remember that one YouTube group I showed you, the Kyrgyzstan? Yes. They do all the science videos. They actually did a video series on this. Like what if you took an elephant and made it like the size of a mouse? Or like what if you, you know, just to try to like explain like the biology at scale. If you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. And in short, like we wouldn't have to worry about things like cohesion. Like when he's in the tub, right? He wouldn't be like bouncing around in the water. He would just like get clung onto the water due to its natural cohesion and then just get drowned pretty much. At the same time, the functionality of like our ATP wouldn't be able to like produce enough ATP to actually like function at that scale. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into it, like on the microbiological scale. Speaking of science of Ant-Man, couldn't you just like grow a loaf of bread and like solve world hunger or something? Yeah, that's another I was thinking about that too. Like there's so many things you could solve with just changing the scale of things, you know? Yeah. Anyways, uh Luis saves that guy again, like we said. Good arc so they and then the tank bursts out of the building they actually kind of did some practical stuff for this so they had a giant wall that said pim tech on it and then they shot like a giant three ton blue like faux tank piece of yeah like blue piece of metal that looked like the tank yeah yeah through the wall to get like the the debris to be practical and they changed the blue piece of metal to be the tank to the tank i love just the creativeness of that they had in this whole this whole movie which like growing and shrinking certain things yeah there's, there's like definitely a lot of like technical problems that they needed to solve and i think the way that they went about it like shows like how how diverse of uh production this can be you know yeah because you're having to deal with not only like practical effects like that but also like how do you deal with like the cg aspect of it so that's like 3d modeling and make sure everything's to the right scale right yeah and like what we were talking about before with like the macro photography that's like a whole aspect of photography itself on its own so it's just nice to see like how everything's able to blend in together i think that's really cool right also also um then antony is shot i was not expecting to get that emotional 
over an ant dying. <laughs> that's that's another thing. Like, how did he like he's shooting blindly into a swarm of ants, and he perfectly is able to nail Antony. I don't know. <laughs> Who said no one died in the Marvel films? They never saw Ant Man. Also, maybe that was, maybe Hank wanted that to happen. I'm just saying because what? Because Tony Stark and. Anthony, Anthony. Oh my gosh. I'm just saying. Anyways, uh, uh, so Pym Tech blows up and it implodes on itself. And I've always been confused about this, but in the director's commentary, uh, oh my gosh, I said Edgar Wright again. Uh, Peyton Reed said that the thought process was that once it explodes, like the particles, like the shrinking particles will kind of be exploded the and, and then everything will shrink yeah. in on itself. So I, that kind of makes sense. I actually like that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they did the effects for that properly too because it started off as a regular explosion. Yeah. And then everything like later started to be engulfed. Right. It wasn't like an actual implosion because usually with an implosion there's like just everything sucks waves. in. Yeah. Well, everything sucks in and there's like a uh, last shockwave from like the negative polarity right explosion there's actually i forget what film it is but there's this one film where these these actors are in a submarine and they have an a, a implosion go off and then an explosion and there's like the original boom and then everything gets sucked in and then there's like a secondary boom because it's the negative oh, force of it okay. but with this there wasn't any negative force with it which then goes to explain so it's technically not an implosion it's just that everything was being pulled into a singularity i see which is actually really nice to think about I never thought about it like that, but that makes more sense. Okay. We also get Yellow Jacket here, and the la- I feel like the lasers sound like Star Wars, which was cool. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. I like in Ant-Man 2 also how they have a villain that's not just the the, he- the like hero, but with a different colored suit. I, I Like I said before, I've said this a million times, I give it a pass on the first film, but the second film, I really think the villain was creative, like the ghost lady. Yes, she was. Who Wasn't there another villain? Uh, Morbius. What? Morpheus. That's right, Morpheus. You said I thought you said Morbius. I'm like, I did. Vampire? No. I'm gonna cut that out. He's <laughs> gonna say Morpheus. <laughs> like, there's no vampires in Ant Man. That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh, now I can't get this out because it's a joke. Fr- oh. fr- freaking ghosts and vampires all in one movie. <laughs> and werewolves. <laughs> you just see like um. And Marvel zombies coming in soon too. Mm-hmm. Oh God, what's his name? The guy from Twilight. Oh. Uh, Batman. No, the other one. Jacob, whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because he's the werewolf. So you got to bring him in. Then. I've never seen Twilight. I know you have. Shark Boy. Liz made me watch it. All right. We're not here to talk about Twilight. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hard back to the tank right now. So I like when they're in the, uh, the what's it called? The briefcase. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and they start like, I'm going to disintegrate you. And they actually start playing like Disintegration by the Cure. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, the, I like the effects with like the lighting from the film. Like, being able to oh, yeah. what they're seeing and also just seeing the suitcase drop and like you get like a little blue lasers coming out yeah that's one thing i feel like was done well with the pacing of this fight using scale as a means of yes. comical uh relief i was just about to say that like and, and like and we, what we've been saying i think marvel's a great job editing in their fights giving like moments to breathe i feel like that was a creative way they did that like every time it was getting really really intense um they would often sometimes just like cut back just to show how comical this was like this small fight going on yeah and then cut back to like the intense like down to scale their scale kind of thing but scott lang gets tased and then what's his face yellow jacket goes after cassie he's in the bug zapper but yeah then he gets tased tased the life from the bug zapper yeah and then the fight on the train set happens I think it's really funny with Thomas and everything. Dude, it's so funny. Yeah, dude, Thomas the tank and he gets like freaking run over. He's like, what? Oh my gosh, yeah. 
the Thomas when Thomas like bursts out of the the building, they had to do that shot twice apparently. Wait, really? Yeah, apparently. Like, was it practical? I think yeah, I think they I think they said it was practical, and uh, Peyton Reed said that like they were so upset. He said we had to do another take because like the dolly was a little off, and the crew were like so upset that they had to reset everything. Damn, dude. Yeah. How would you even fix a set like that? I, a, I don't know. That's a lot. I don't know. Jeez. But they used the second shot, so I guess it was worth it. Hey, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we also get a giant ant along with the giant Thomas. And also, apparently, <laughs> Peyton Reed said that, like, oh, yeah, ants only have a lifespan of, like, 12 weeks, so, like, these ants are going to die soon. So then I was thinking, like, well, won't Cassie be sad by that? And I was like, wait, there's the giant ant in Ant-Man 2. I was like, wait, does that mean that every, like, 12 weeks like scott just like makes another ant big so that cassie will never find out that her aunt keeps dying sure or i wonder if you if you change the scale of it because they've been changing it changed the, the life expectancy yeah, too because <laughs> yeah, they also changed his diet because now it's like it's it's eating like human food it's, it's like, eating like meat <laughs> i, I wonder know. if that i actually that might make sense going back to like atp and stuff i mean ants eat human food too just like crumbs of it though yeah but that's the thing now you just need it to like a much larger scale i don't know and now because it's so used to living like short term at small scale it might actually mean it's technically living longer at large scale that's what to think about there's another question that i don't really care if i ever find out the answer to <laughs> but it's cool to debate yeah, yeah so scott shrinks between the molecules Yellow Jacket dying was pretty horrifying. <laughs> it reminded me of looking back on it now, like a quarter crew effect of like, yeah. like when they do like a, a 3D scan of somebody <laughs> and then they just like crumple it up and do like some like weird stuff to it. Yeah. It's weird to see them take the rig. They're not breaking the rig, but they're morphing it in a way to do that. And it's just, it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's cool to see. But yeah, it is pretty gruesome and also kind of deserving. Apparently also when he goes subatomic, you can see like Janet like reflected on his helmet kind of thing. It's apparently like a little Easter egg. And also when he's going shrinking down and also when he's shrinking back up, you can see like the wasp's reflection on his helmet just to kind of hint that, yes, she's down there kind of thing. Mm. This whole sequence also felt very Doctor Strange to me and maybe helped prep audiences for that craziness of Doctor Strange. Yeah, agreed. I feel like this is the first thing where we're like, I mean, we haven't really gone into other like realms or realities yet. Till mom. Um, and this was like, well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, we already did that with like- I know first Doctor Strange, but this was actually like the first movie that kind of brought that into play yeah like we've talked about before like start changing the world and stuff like that but that's like still like normal reality this is like the first time we're going like somewhere completely different reality can be whatever i want it to be <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> it kind of goes into like what hank was saying for uh, earlier where he's like this can literally change the fabric of reality it's not some just metal suit that some guy's flying around in yeah what, what what do you think about the fact that like when he went into the quantum realm or whatever the subatomic layer in um ant-man and the wasp at the end and then he comes out in endgame a couple hours later it's been like years he's went into the like no like the time passage is the exact same when he goes down this time like is that anything like why why isn't it like longer time or is it just like random chance he'd happen to come up at the same time or did he not go deep enough or like long enough to like for the time to like alter or something actually yeah that makes sense though because they were going to pull him out i guess before he got sucked too far in in ant-man the wasp so maybe that makes sense yeah how long was he out in in the because i remember he called him and he's like he i said a couple hours like, a couple like hours, five hours right but in this it's just like i don't know like a minute or two yeah then he like did the thing i don't know how that would work out also at the same time you could also make the argument that space time is more dynamic on the quantum level okay it's relativity you know like with black holes right the further you get in or the faster you're moving compared to the speed of light the bigger the time difference is right so if you have like an astronaut that's in the spaceship and he's like going super fast 
he's in there for a year. It's going to be like 50 years on Earth. Okay. What I think here is that we're just seeing different rates of relativity. But in this case, instead of it being speed, it's dealing with scale. So the smaller you are, right, there might be the larger difference of relativity in space-time. So I think in the I second see. time, he might have been smaller. Whereas the first time, I think he just went until his power went out. Okay. Anyways, that's a lot of science jargon. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, was, I overthink that. No, it's all good. Back to the tank. So, yeah, that, that's kind of like the end of that. Uh, we do some wrap-up <laughs> Scott Escapes. That's the end of that. <laughs> yeah. We get a Stan Lee cameo when Luis calls it from another tip for Falcon looking for... She hella fine. <laughs> <laughs> we also see uh, in the mid-credits the Wasp costume, which I thought was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that was really cool. I thought that... Didn't we theorize that the reporter was somebody else? The reporter? The 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 hella fine reporter that was in the flashback. I thought there was a theory that she was like somebody. And she's gonna come back. Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. But we, there's a. There, I was doing research. And I forgot there's a hilarious promo for Ant Man where it's just Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd ham boning and just saying ants. It's like <laughs> ants, ants, and, and like it's literally just that for like. 15 seconds like it is like the <laughs> most random thing and i just forgot about that and got to watch that which was it's funny. like that's like almost on par with guardians of the galaxy's the dancing inferno thing with david hasselhoff oh yeah and then down it dirty um also uh this is just funny on halloween a couple years ago paul rudd's daughter went as the wasp and paul rudd did not go as ant-man even though he plays ant-man he went as weird al that's right i remember seeing that it was a pretty funny photo of that <laughs> Yes, so uh, that's about it. There's also on Disney Plus you can see the behind the scenes. There's like or in the behind the scenes stuff. There's like a newscast, like I said, of Scott Lang's crime, and the reporter for that is the reporter from Iron Man One that he sleeps with. That lady, <laughs> um, who's also with Hammer or Justin Hammer, or whatever, in Iron Man Two. Yeah, but that's all I had for Ant Man. All right, anything you want to talk about before we hit patron shoutouts? Just to close up, I think I think overall it's a really good movie. You know, like yeah. I liked it. For a superhero heist movie, I think it definitely hit the mark, you know? And the mark's pretty small, because, you know, ants, ants. are small. <laughs> ants! <laughs> ants! <laughs> but no, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I know that it's not everybody's favorite. It's not It's not even my favorite, but it's definitely, like, one of my favorites. It's, it's up there. Really? Like, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, patron shoutouts. Cue the Epic Star Wars music. Oosh. We got patron Lori, Frank, Rick, Tony, Evan. Thank you so much for pledging the tier. Gives you the shout out. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can over at the link in our description. There's also our social medias down there. Also, oh, thank you for the support, first of all. Also, if you want to leave a review, I have one right here. We will read it out. So I have a review from, it just is titled Enjoyable and Informative, written by a helpful reviewer is what they have called themselves. And the review says, very good. So thank you. Really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep reading reviews on Apple Podcasts and stuff if uh, you leave them. Really appreciate it. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next. Um, by the time this goes out, I don't think we have another time. We don't have time to start phase three before WandaVision starts. So we'll potentially be back for WandaVision. We'll see. All right, Daniel, you ready to take us home? Yes, I am. We just talked about what we want to talk about, and now we're done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Really, really, really appreciate it. I hope your 2021, like we said, is off to a good start. Yeah. I mean, it's off to a great start if you listen yeah. to us, am I right? But <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but thanks, honestly, for, for starting it with us. Yeah. See you later. Goodbye. Peace.